Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What up, TTK Potters? I'm your host, Sky Guasco, and this is episode 98 of the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Welcome back to Tight End Week. Today I'm joined once again by special guest Summy of the Draft Room Podcast in New York City, New York. Summy and I discuss part two of our top 15 tight end rankings with tight ends one through seven. Please follow Summy and the Draft Room Podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Draft Room Pod. Facebook and YouTube, you can find them at Draft Room Podcast. And listen to the Draft Room Podcast itself wherever podcasts can be heard. There's a ton of value on this episode. Summy brings heat with a stat-based analysis every time, which we love here on the TCK Pod. So pace yourself, take some notes, and turn us on time and a half if you need to. And a reminder, this was originally one recording, but I decided to split it into two different episodes, so I apologize in advance for any sudden interruptions or glitches. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. All right, man. I feel like we've buried the lead long enough here on this episode. Let's get right to it at number seven for you. Take it away. Awesome. So uh, a lot of people, you know, I think are kind of sleeping on this guy. Uh, And I'm talking about Mark Andrews. He's going in the 14th round right now, currently the tight end 20 in ECR. And if you look at what he did last year, right, let's just go over some of his metrics. So last year, he saw only 50 targets, but he caught 34 of them. So pretty efficient right there by itself. But 34 targets went for 552 yards. Mm -hmm. That was 16.3 yards per reception, which was number two only behind O.J. Howard. He also ran uh, 97.2% of his snaps were actually routes. So he he saw 414 snaps, um, and he ranked number two amongst tight ends with more than 200 snaps in that route percentage. Uh, category. The only one higher than him was Brait, who's one of the worst blocking tight ends, who's only going to be out there in the, uh, you know, in in goal line or red zone situations. But Mark Andrews, you know, he he saw 1.94 yards per route run. He was getting you 2.76 fantasy points per reception, which was only again behind O.J. Howard. And now you look at the situation he's in. Hayden Hurst, who came out and said, "I'm, you know, I'm I'm on a mission this year. I'm going to bulk up, and I'm going to be a complete tight end." But he comes out and he pulls a hammy. <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, stay on the field first before you talk a big game, right? But I think that's that's a good thing for Mark Andrews truthers where Hayden Hurst, I mean, pulling a hammy is not something that's fun, especially in the preseason or especially during camp. It's one of those injuries that definitely linger. Um, and, you know, he's coming off a fractured foot as well in, in preseason last year. Uh, I think it's a little bit too early to label Hayden Hurst as injury prone, but I don't think he's going to be a big part of this offense where, I mean, they seem to have about 20 tight ends on this roster, um, you know, to, to kind of replace the the blocking role, the blocking assignments that Hayden Hurst would be in on. But with Lamar Jackson being an inaccurate quarterback, uh, and I know that's a whole narrative where he is an inaccurate quarterback, and uh, I truly believe that he is as well. I, I don't think he's the most accurate. I think what benefits that uh what benefits an inaccurate quarterback is a big bodied receiver. And I think we saw that and we, we saw Harbaugh's conviction in that as well, where he drafted a guy, guy like Miles Boykin, who's a really big body dude, uh, but he's also dealing with a hamstring injury. So that leaves pretty much one big bodied receiver left on this team that's fully healthy right now. And that's Mark Andrews. 
Now, if you look at Harbaugh's historical target volume to the tight end sky, uh, you're going to see that you know his primary tight end gets about 76.4 targets on average per season. And the total targets to the position, you're looking at about 126 total targets. So if Andrews saw 50 targets in his rookie season, I think with Hayden Hurst out of the picture, we could see a potential 80, 100, 110 target season for Mark Andrews. And if you look back at some of the tight ends that Harbaugh Harbaugh has had, Ed Dixon, Dennis Pitta, Ben Watson, I mean, I'd say that Mark Andrews is better than all those guys. And Pitta was able to finish as a tight end eight with just 94 targets back in 2012. So I think Mark Andrews presents massive upside with his efficiency, with the opportunity that he's going to have just based on the injuries around him uh, and being that safety blanket for a developing quarterback um, in an offense that really likes to run the ball. And I think that trend continues as well this year. Totally. I like uh, Mark Andrews a lot, actually, and I have him at number 15 right now. So we skipped him at the beginning. I've got him at 15 just because. I think once Hayden Hurst does come back, uh, you know, it's a hammy right now. He didn't, you know, tear anything like he did last year, break anything. Right. So it's a hammy. So he does come back. I think they're going to utilize both those tight ends. And if they do that, I think that's going to cut into uh, Andrews. Andrews was drafted after Hayden Hurst in the third round. Hayden Hurst was drafted in the first round. I think the Ravens wanted Hayden Hurst to be the guy. He clearly has not been, though. So I think Andrews has the upper hand at this point to be the lead tight end uh, pass catching at least, um, which is great. But if they have both of them in there, I think that limits his upside just a little bit. I also think having Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned, limits his upside a little bit. Yeah, he he did lead all four Baltimore tight ends in pretty much every single target. Uh, he was second in yards per reception, yards per target. He was third in average uh, target distance in tight ends and fourth in fantasy points per target. But he was 30th in red zone receptions with just three touchdowns. Now, a lot of that has to do with him not getting a full season of work. A lot of that has to do with the Ravens running the shit out of the ball and Lamar Jackson uh, Jackson being the quarterback. So if those numbers can go up in the red zone, he can get up closer to, like you said, you know, 100 targets maybe. Um, and he can get up to, let's say, five or six touchdowns even. I totally agree with your ranking at number seven. I think that's absolutely fair. As of, you know, late June, uh, I just want to see what happens with Hayden Hurst. I want to see what happens with their 17 running backs. I want to see if the if the wide receivers are actually, you know, getting work from Lamar Jackson first. So I love I love that you have him this high because I really do like Andrews. He's just lower for me because I don't know enough yet uh, yeah. for an actual higher ranking. Yeah. But uh, having you having me having you put him here, and again, I mentioned in the podcast, I highly respect your work and and what you do. And I appreciate that. Being, Seeing you put him this high gives me more hope that I'm I'm not, you know, crazy because I thought <laughs> even putting him in the in the top fifteen ahead of guys like, um, you know, Jimmy Graham or, or uh, Burton and things like that, I thought it was a little bit crazy. So I feel good about it. I just need to see a little bit more from Mark Andrews personally. Absolutely, man. And you know, going back to that point, that one point I made where last year, I mean, seven out of the top twelve tight ends were drafted in the ninth round or later. Uh, I think that trend continues, of course, this year. And I think Mark Andrews is one of the biggest breakout tight ends this year uh, mm -hmm. where, uh, of course, we're going to have to see what happens with Hayden Hurst. But, I mean, just looking at their their snap splits. So um, Hayden Hurst, I mean, 
162 of his routes or, or snaps were were in line where he was tight to the formation and only 67 of them came from the slot. But if you look at Mark Andrews, 174 of his snaps came in line and then 205 of his snaps actually came from the slot. So Andrews to me is a more versatile weapon where he's he's not only working on his blocking this offseason. I don't know. I'm not sure if you caught a couple of those clips of uh, of, of camp or practice where, you know, he's talking about him working on his uh uh, his blocking and being a more complete tight end. But I think Andrews presents that upside because he can be split out uh, into the slots, be split out wide as well. Totally. And he, he caught at least seven touchdowns in each of his three seasons at Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And he had nearly a thousand receiving yards, yep. uh, nine, 958 in 2017. So again, I, I'm all about it, man. I don't, Absolutely. I don't need more con- convincing personally. I just, I'm <laughs> stoked that you brought this on the podcast because my take was going to be, you know, similar, but with the caveat of I'm worried about all those things that I mentioned. Um, it's kind of refreshing to actually hear you not as not as worried. So, yeah, um, I think the general fantasy person who doesn't do this like we do uh, would look at your ranking and, and say, you know, Andrews at seven, Jimmy Graham at eight. Like, what the hell is this dude doing? Right. But but again, I think it's important that like because you put so much time and energy and effort behind this. We don't just have names on a board like this is on purpose. And I'm sure it didn't look right when you put them there the first time. But the further you dig into it, um, it starts to make more sense. So, again, I uh, I, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I man. think that's a fair call. And one other thing I did want to bring up, you know, just to be piggyback off of that. Uh, recency bias is a hell of a thing when, you, when it comes to ranking. Both um, ways. Positive and negative. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Jimmy Graham, for example, upsetting people last year, they burned, he burned a lot of people last year, you know, where they drafted him in the seventh round. And now it's kind of like, Oh, Jimmy Graham's done. Um, and also, you know, you, you would think that ranking some of these guys, like, especially like the top three, which we'll talk about in just a bit here, you think it's automatic that, you know, all three of them end up uh, at one, two and three, mm-hmm. but that's not really the case. Mm-hmm. So you really have to dig a little bit deeper and, and look at those metrics that correlate year over year. Uh, to to identify a potential breakout. I mean, you're you're talking to a guy who identified who identified Ertz's breakout, albeit it wasn't that hard to kind of see that Ertz was going to have a monster season when he finished tight end three in 2016. Uh, but you know, I got him at the back of the seventh, early eighth, in all of my drafts, and uh, I kind of just saw that coming. So uh, I I pride myself in my ability to kind of find those hidden gems, and I think Mark Andrews is going to be someone who I own in every single league. I totally agree with you. And I, I actually picked up Ertz uh, two years ago as well when he was on that breakout and I got him in, I think, the eighth or ninth um, as you know, as well. And again, in the tight end episode specifically, we're talking more in depth. Honestly, man, to save some time, we're getting long in the episode here, to save some time in the top six or seven, you know, five or six here to end, I think we can kind of rattle through a lot of these names. I want to sure. talk about two in particular, but otherwise I think everyone – kind of knows what's going on with the top guys but it. in the in the middle grip i think it's really important that people hear these breakdowns on names that you don't pay as much attention to in fantasy if you're paying attention right now and you're listening to a podcast in june you clearly give a shit more than your neighbor <laughs> who's going to be in your draft come on come august exactly so it's really important that you hear a name like dallas goddard or you know jack doyle's not irrelevant or mark andrews or you know uh taking a chance on a uh, vance mcdonald or delaney walker or hooper knowing that they could bomb your team but they could also be uh you know maybe a top six option and go undrafted i mean that's the thing at tight end man a lot of these guys we're talking about go undrafted so you can scoop them up later or have them as your last pick with upside whatever so um i like it a lot man i appreciate it cool let's get into the top six then and actually from our six to one spoiler alert, Summy and I actually have 
every name the same except for two. So we both have Hunter Henry at number six. We both have OJ Howard at number five. Um, to save some time, maybe uh, maybe a quick point from you on each of those guys. Um, but I pretty much, well, I clearly agree rankings wise. Uh, for me, I'll just mention more upside with Howard, um, less injury history, although there is some his- injury history. I think there's a better floor with Henry, but I'm worried about uh, coming off of a torn ACL is basically what it comes down to. But I love right. both of those guys and we'll get to, you know, the top four in a second. But in my opinion, if you don't get a Kelsey, Kittle, Ertz or Ingram, I'm stoked on getting kind of in that like seventh, eighth round. I'm personally cool with going for a Howard or going for a Henry, because in my opinion, if one, something happens to one of those top guys and they stay where they should, they could be the Kittle of, uh, or, um, uh, you know, the Kittle or uh, the Ertz of this year and end up in the top three. So I'm okay spending yeah. a round pick on one of those guys because of the floor and the upside. Although Henry gives me a little more heebie-jeebies just because, <laughs> um, but I love the upside of both of those guys. So maybe a quick point on each of them, and then uh, we'll get into the top four. For sure. So OJ Howard and Hunter Henry, both these guys are guys that I feel like could potentially finish as high as the tight end two. Totally. Um, I think Travis Kelsey just has that crown. I think he will continue to have that crown. Especially without Tyreek Hill. Jesus. I mean, I think he benefits from Tyreek Hill on the field a little bit more uh, where he gets a little bit less attention, but he's still going to get his. Uh, I I think Travis Kelsey is kind of a lock to finish at number one. I think that's why we're seeing him being drafted in the first round in some drafts. Mm -hmm. But OJ Howard and Hunter Henry could potentially finish as a tight end too. That's how much upside I think they have. Uh, Where OJ Howard... He had a phenomenal, efficient year last year. I mean, 10.4 fantasy points per game. He was tied for fifth with Jared Cook. Uh, He only played 10 games, and despite missing five weeks, I mean, he still finished as a tight end 11, uh, which is pretty impressive, you know? And, yeah, he you say that he has an injury history, but if you remember, like, he he went down in week four. uh, We thought that he was going to be out for a couple weeks with that MCL sprain, but he came back right after the bye in week week five. Mm -hmm. Um, Or he came back in week six, actually. But if you look at his efficiency, man, I mean, I love it. He He's getting targeted like 11 yards down the field. That's only number two behind Gronk last year. Uh, he's catching at a 72% clip. And then 6.7 yards after the catch per reception, which is tied for fourth, only behind Kittle, Ingram, and McDonald. Uh, and then just finishing number one in yards per reception at 16.6 yards per reception. I think O.J. Howard presents massive upside again uh, in this offense. Um, but with Hunter Henry, you know, the injury concern – you know, I still see him wearing a brace in, in camp, in practice, but we have to re- remember, and I think a lot of people forget this, that he came out in the divisional round last year and uh, he was on the field. Right. So he was clearly healthy enough to be on the field last year. And I think, uh, you know, whole off season, a whole four or five months removed from even the divisional game, I think the injury concern should be weaning away. You know, I, I think you should let them go. The only concern that I would have is that the Chargers, surprisingly, very surprisingly, were bottom five in terms of number of plays run, um, which is really concerning to me, actually. But I, I do think that this this offense is pretty efficient itself uh, with guys like Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler. You know, those guys are really efficient with their touches. And I think Hunter Henry, he's also one of those that's that's really, really efficient as well. Yeah, I totally agree. And again, I have Hunter Henry at number six, and so do you. So I don't, you know, I didn't boot him out because of that injury. I just have the top five above him because of that injury as right. of now. So right. we'll, we'll see what happens there. All right, moving on. Uh, this is where things get fishy. Um, <laughs> you, uh, I, I think, I think in general, 
and I hate to always generalize because fantasy is, I don't want to say everybody because it's clearly not the case. Um, But I, you know, I think in general, the general public, definitely the talking heads on most of the, uh, you know, podcasts or ESPN and shit like that have some order of Kelsey Kittle and Ertz at the top three. Yep. And I don't, I actually agree with it uh, personally, but you actually have Ingram and Ertz switched. You have Ertz at four, Ingram at three, which I love. And I think a lot of this, just looking at your rankings, has a lot to do with you're higher on Goddard by two spots than I am a little bit, which makes sense to bring down Ertz. I just think Ertz is so much a part of that offense, and I think Goddard will definitely take part of it. But um, I just don't know if I believe that Evan Ingram – I think he has the talent, and he'll definitely get the work share. But they have three slot receivers in New York right now, Mm -hmm. including Evan Ingram. And I just think – it's going to be tough to contend for more than Ertz gets maybe. And maybe, and, and for me, it's mostly uh, in the red zone uh, just because I don't know that the giants are going to score uh, close to as many touchdowns personally as the Eagles do. And I think most of those go to Saquon Barkley one way or another. Um, so I'll let you talk about it though. Cause I'm, I'm more interested to see why you have Ingram ab- above Ertz, but I have Ingram at four Ertz at three. You have Ertz at four Ingram at three. Yes, I do. Um, so great points that you made about, you know, the offense not being as good and and the receivers kind of playing redundant roles here on this offense. Um, where Golden Tate, you know, I feel like he he can be split out wide with those screen passes. I think we've seen that over the course of his career where he's a really effective um, yard after the, he's the, he's been the the most dominant yard after catch receiver. And yeah. most of those came on screens, um, you know, being lined up outside. But with Ingram, though, like you have to look at the situation here again, going back to the Jared Cook thing that we were talking about, where they brought in Jared Cook because obviously declining quarterback uh, need to get guys that can make stuff happen after the catch. Ingram is the epitome of that as well. He's uh, he's a freak athlete. Uh, I think he could be a wide receiver if he wanted to. Um, but if you look at, you know, like his rookie year, man, it was so inefficient that I think we forget just how dominant he could be if he does increase that efficiency, which he did actually last year. So his rookie year, he finished as a tight end four. He played 16 games, and he caught it a 56% catch rate, which is piss poor. I mean, yeah. <laughs> horrible efficiency. We, we saw him drop in literally everything. He had 113 targets, 63 catches, 710 yards, six, six, uh, six total touchdowns. But he was averaging 11.3 yards per reception. And if you look at 2018, his efficiency jumped. He went from 56% catch rate to 71% catch rate. He actually upped his yards per reception from 11.3 to 12.4. So he's definitely worked on the jugs. You know, he's definitely worked on catching and securing the ball a little bit more. But if we can assume that he gets a 65% catch rate, I mean, Odell, he frees up 165 targets in this offense. Sure, Golden Tate is there. He's definitely going to get a vast majority of that. Sterling Shepard is, you know, I'm expecting him to take another step forward. But if you look at Evan Ingram, who's pretty much outside of Saquon Barkley, the only legitimate red zone weapon that they have, I think when they do end up in the red zone or in the end zone or goal-to-go situations, Ingram is going to be that guy. Saquon Barkley, of course, that's that's given. But I think Ingram can create those mismatches. And with Shermer, I mean, if you look at his historical volume with tight ends since 2011 after his St. Louis days, I mean, 138 targets on average to the tight end position. Um, we saw, you know, with the Browns, with Ben Watson getting 154 and 122 targets. And then with the Eagles, when Shermer was a play caller there, when he was a coach there, um, 116 targets, 143 targets, 188 targets back-to-back years. 
Um, and then even in Minnesota, you saw what he did with Rudolph, where you know he had 132 targets that one season. Uh, and ironically enough, I do want to bring up something where Rhett Ellison was also on that Minnesota roster, and now Rhett Ellison is on the Giants roster as well, and he was primarily used as a blocking tight end, so I'm not concerned about him taking away from Ingram's target share. Um, but I think Ingram sees 100, he, he has the potential to see 120 targets, 130 targets even uh, in this offense, and I think you know volume uh, could carry him to a top three finish. I love it. I love it. And I think your your favorite stat here that we had mentioned earlier that some of these bottom tier guys don't have, uh, Evan Ingram was second in target separation. So a receiver's average yards of separation from the closest defender when the ball arrives. So Evan Ingram was second in target separation. For context, Kittle was eighth, Ertz was 16th, and Kelsey was 18th. So I think there's that ability to get open. And yeah. I think with it, with a with a uh, try not to hate too hard because I know we have a lot of East Coast guests <laughs> on this podcast so far. Well, listen, I, I'm not I'm not a Giants fan by any stretch of the imagination. Well, I know I know I know we 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 have had one already, and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to super <laughs> hate on Eli, but having a quarterback like Eli passes prime, getting him you know space to throw the ball, I think helps. We mentioned that with Vance McDonald, he doesn't have it so much with Big Ben. Evan Ingram does. And I think, you know, having that ability to break off and basically be a receiver um, is going to be tremendous. And and again, I love the call, dude. I, I totally agree with you here. Again, with the Mark Andrews take and uh, Evan Ingram, um, I'm actually reconsidering kind of maybe flipping him to Ertz, uh, him and Ertz. But um, for me, it's just it's just the t- touchdown upside in the overall offense, I think. Um, right. And as much as Goddard is going to affect Ertz, I think that the receivers, you know, Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate, I think are going to really affect Evan Ingram potentially, because in my opinion, all three of them kind of play the same position. Um, And I'm just not sure how the the ball is going to get around from Eli, which I just don't think is a super sexy option. Um, Whereas Carson Wentz, I think can, can make plays all over the field. So, I mean, we'll we'll see who's starting to to kick off the year, you know, whether it be Daniel Jones or Eli. And with Daniel Jones, I mean, you know, rookie rookie quarterbacks, um, you definitely want the tight end for a rookie quarterback Absolutely. because that is a safety blanket. Um, but I think, you know, the Zacherts take, it's more so from his insane target volume last year where he saw more receptions than he had targets in the previous three years. Yeah. You know, last year he had 116 receptions, whereas, uh, keep that in mind, that's receptions, 116 of them. Whereas the previous three years before that, from 2015 to 2017, he had 112, 106, 110 targets. So that definitely declines. And I had mentioned in the beginning where Zachary's definitely benefited from the lack of run game when J.J. went down with that torn ACL in week four. And now they've got Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders to kind of stabilize Wentz. And, um, you know, he doesn't really have to look to Zachary to be an extension of that run game, especially you bring in a guy that like J.J. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who can create separation. He can also be a safety blanket. Alshon is back kind of healthy as well. Um, and Goddard taking another step forward. I, I don't see Zacherts finishing in the top three this year. Fair enough. Fair enough. Let's get into, uh, I, you know, I mean, you've pretty much said everything I was going to to rep for Zacherts. I just, again, think, I think his dominance continues at some level. Um, but I do think his upside is limited just a little bit. Uh, I'm just a little bit worried about Mark, in- or, uh, Mark Ingram, Evan Ingram. <laughs> yep. Let's get into the top two. We don't need to spend much time on these guys. I guess my only question to you would be, can you make any case that George Kittle potentially uh, gets past Kelsey outside of an injury um, with or without 
Tyreek Hill, which, you know, as of this podcast, it sounds like we could be hearing about a suspension um, or lack thereof. I suppose it's still up in the air uh, for Tyreek Hill in the next month. So that'll definitely help us out come draft season to figure out whether he's in or out with the Kansas City situation in general. But I mean, you just mentioned Kelsey's in a league of his own. I tend to agree. Um, I'm very open about my homerness to the 49ers on this podcast, but I also pride myself in being like a legitimate analyst all around <laughs> right and i'm very vocal about how much i don't like jimmy garoppolo or yeah. any of their backs which is a conversation for another time really? but i will i will uh get on my high horse to say how much i love george kittle i don't think uh, kittle with all those weapons can uh surplant kelsey by any means but um is there anything else you want to add for these two two top guys otherwise i, I think it's pretty pretty set already i mean kelsey's yeah. going to the first round essentially and kittle I mean, he's going in the, the middle of the third, but even the back of the second at this point. Yeah, I mean, listen, there, I think there's just too many questions even around Kittle, um, where last year I think he was a product also of opportunity as well, Absolutely. where Jarek McKinnon went down in the preseason with a torn ACL, uh, and you had their receivers kind of go down as well, slowly but surely. Pierre Garçon uh, obviously wasn't there anymore. Uh, we saw Dante Pettis come on pretty strong. But Dante Pettis was really more of a field stretcher. He was also pretty versatile being, you know, lined up in the slot or outside. But this year, I mean, I love, I love Jimmy Garoppolo. And I love Tevin Coleman in this offense with Kyle Shanahan. Um, George Kittle plays the role of Kyle Shanahan's tight end. And I think Kittle has obviously been the best tight end that Kyle Shanahan has ever had. um, Where I think both of those factors just kind of combine together. For Kittle to have an insane season where he broke a record, but Kelsey broke it like right after, uh, which was unfortunate. But I do think that Kittle, it's a possibility that he gets a reduction in volume here. Um, I don't think he's that much of a lock to finish at two. He might finish at three. Uh, but I do think he's a top three guy, 100%. But again, you know, going in the third round, I mean, I'm not really comfortable taking a, taking a tight end, yeah. um, you know, going back to that whole argument. Uh, but no, I mean, I love Kittle, man. Uh, I love Kyle Shanahan's system. I think the 49ers have the ability to turn it around this season. Uh, they're actually my dark horse team, uh, same as they were last year. You know, nice. unfortunately, they were played with injuries. Sure. Exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think there's a lot more weapons like uh, like Jalen Hurd, who's a, who's an incredible, incredible, versatile piece who I think could take away a couple snaps from Kittle. Uh, Debo Samuels, who's pretty much a running back with with the ball in his hands as well. Uh, so a lot of those guys that are coming back that get those targets closer to the line of scrimmage could reduce Kittle's workload. Sure, I agree. And I'm actually most concerned. That's really my only concern with George Kittle is just how many weapons all of a sudden the 49ers had uh, or have this year, which right. they had most of them last year. But again, all of them went down. And as a 49er fan, I happen to watch extra closely. But Marquise Goodwin missed a couple games due to injury and family stuff. Yeah, uh, Trent Taylor, who nobody outside of San Francisco knows, but he's actually a really quality slot receiver. I he's love Frank. Great. Love it. He's back. Um, you know, they have Matt Breida, who, in my opinion, is actually my favorite running back for the 49ers. Um, I know about the, the the history with Coleman and Shanahan. I think that could actually absolutely help. But I think just as an athlete, I actually like Matt Breida better. And then Raheem Mostert as well is a stud. Um, so there's so many options. Absolutely. I just think that outside of potentially Ingram and potentially Ertz, uh, and if if Howard doesn't take that next real uh, elite leap, I just think it's Kelsey and then Kittle for me as far as like 
absolute upside. Now I'm also very, uh, you know, understanding that last year may have been Kittle's ceiling because things could not have gone better for George Kittle last year. Uh, but that being said, rankings wise, I just, I don't, I can't put him behind Ertz and, you know, I have Ingram behind Ertz, so I can't do that just yet, but um, I, I definitely see the concerns and Kelsey for me is the only, I wouldn't draft him in the first round, but if I was in a keeper league or something, um, which our main league of record is a keeper league and say I kept uh, a stud running back um, in say, let's call it the sixth round. And I picked a stud uh, wide receiver in the first round. I would consider personally uh, Kelsey only in maybe the second round. Um, but other than that, I'm also going to wait till the sixth or seventh for Howard or Henry, like I mentioned, right. and then probably all the way to the end. Um, yeah, I feel like those teams that picked up like James Conner, for example, last year, who are keeping him, you know, for a late round value right now, uh, th- those are the teams that are most likely to draft a guy like Kelsey because they have those stud running backs, like you had just mentioned. Hundred percent. And then you can you can burn a roster spot if you now if you're if you don't have those keepers, then I think you are burning a roster spot. But yeah. if you have a keeper and you already have a, a, a tight end one or a receiver one, a running back one, and a tight end one, shit. I mean, and That's if you're open you to it. Then you get a top guy in the say the fifth round at quarterback. You have on paper preseason a you know maybe the top three at each position. If those guys stay healthy and do what they're supposed to do, you you win your championship easy. Yep. Um, so that wraps up our top fifteen. We do have a few more categories to get to in just a second, but just if you could uh, maybe run down. I'm going to run down um, my fifteen to one. I'd like you to do the same, sure. and then just go down your list really quick and let me know. Who, depending on ADP and everything else, just really quickly, who of your top 15 do you personally want on your team and are going to be targeting um, in a, a regular you know, PPR draft? Who do you want to have on your team? Uh, maybe not a reach necessarily, but just who do you hope to have as a tight end on your team? Um, and then I'll do the same and we'll get into our categories quick. My 15 to one, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, Jack Doyle at 13. Uh, Austin Hooper at 12, Delaney Walker at 11, David Njoku at 10, Vance McDonald at 9, Eric Ebron at 8, Jared Cook at 7, Hunter Henry at 6, Hoja Howard at 5, Evan Ingram at 4, Ertz, Kittle, Kelsey to round out my top three. I like it. I like it. Um, so, I mean, who are some guys that, you know, you, you, you'd want to have on your roster next year? So, uh, again, I, I bring up the Kelsey thing, which I know isn't great analysis because I know 99% of people don't play in keeper leagues. It's either <laughs> dynasty or redraft, but I think just the general couple keeper leagues is what I like. Um, so for me, if I'm in a keeper league, which I'm in a few, Kelsey is my only dude at the top. Um, I would love to have Kittle on my team, but not until the third round earliest, and that's probably a reach. But for me, it would be Kelsey at the top, um, Henry, Ingram, or Howard, and maybe the sixth round if they drop that far, which – their ADPs kind of fluctuate there. And yeah. then once I get further than that, man, um, I mean, honestly, I'd, I'd uh, probably looking at a Jared Cook um, or David Njoku or Vance McDonald, for my opinion, uh, with that upside. If I go Ingram or uh, Ebron, I meant to ask you about this when we were talking about him. How do you feel about the quote-unquote handcuff at the tight end position strictly with Ertz and Goddard or mm-hmm. Ebron and Doyle? Um, so, I mean, I don't believe in handcuffing. Um, in even general, your- in general, in general, and the reason why I say that, I mean, yeah, sure, you want to handcuff. Like, if you draft, uh, for example, if you're getting Todd Gurley this year, 100%, you cannot draft Todd Gurley if you don't get Daryl Henderson. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, outside of, like, your stud running back, which I, I do think, you know, there's a case to be made where you should handcuff them. Uh, but I think handcuffing in general, especially at your draft, 
just burns a roster spot where you could use that for a really high upside guy with your 14th or 15th pick. So, um, you know, if I don't handcuff a running back or handcuff a wide receiver, quote unquote, I'm not really looking to handcuff a tight end, but I will definitely have two tight ends on my roster because I do draft them so late. And uh, again, I'm just taking flyers there, you know? Cool. Fair enough. So really quickly, I guess I would say Kelsey Kittle, if I can get him late, but I probably won't. Um, and then Ingram, Howard, Henry, Cook, uh, McDonald, and then I'd probably take a stab on uh, Andrews as well late. Nice, nice. How about cool. your 15 and then your targets? Yeah, so my counting down from 15 to 1, my tight ends go Doyle, Vance McDonald, Trey Burton, Dallas Goddard at 12. That cracks the, the top 12 tight ends. David Njoku at tight end 11. Eric Ebron at 10. Jared Cook. Jimmy Graham at 8. Fire take, I know. Uh, J- uh, Mark Andrews at seven, another fire take back to back heating up fire, right here. Fire take, <laughs> fire <laughs> take, exactly. Uh, we got Hunter Henry coming at six, OJ Howard at five, Zach Ertz at four, Evan Ingram at three, George Kittle at two, and of course the king of tight end, Travis Kelsey at one. Um, and some of these guys that I'm going to be targeting, so. I mean, I'll be honest with you, man. I'd mentioned I don't really draft tight ends early, but if the value is right, I would love, love to have a guy like O.J. Howard on my team. Um, I just love his efficiency. I love his freakishness. I I just love what he can do after the catch and and as a receiver. Um, I think he provides a pretty high floor if he can get that volume, which I do think he can because there's a lot of uh, vacated targets from Adam Humphreys uh, and DJX leaving as well. Um, so OJ Howard is someone, if the value is right, I'm definitely going to be snagging him up. Um, I'm willing to take a flyer on him at the back of the sixth. Uh, and that's probably the only tight end I would draft who I think is pretty secure in the, in the first six, seven rounds there. Uh, outside of that, I mean, late round flyers that I'm looking at, I mean, I'm 100% going to get Mark Andrews on all of my rosters or try to do that. Uh, 100% going to take a flyer on Jimmy Graham because he's tied to my number one quarterback, um, and even Doyle, I think Doyle could provide a pretty solid floor for you on a week to week basis. Uh, if he is at hundred percent health. All right, TZK Potters, let's take a quick break right here before we get into the rest of our top tight ends. If you like what you're hearing here on the podcast and you'd like to find the candlestick kids fantasy podcast outside of what you're hearing, please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod on Twitter at TCK underscore pod on Facebook at the candlestick kids fantasy podcast And always feel free to drop us an email at tckpod at gmail.com. Also, we'd much appreciate it if you leave a rate and review on the podcast, whether you're listening to it on Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Apple Pod, wherever you listen to your podcast. We'd much appreciate the support and feedback there. And of course, please leave some love and a follow for my man Summy and the Draft Room Podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Draft Room Pod, Facebook and YouTube at the Draft Room Podcast, and make sure you subscribe and listen to the Draft Room Podcast podcast itself before we get into the rest of our episode here's a quick word from our sponsor anchor stay tuned hey tck potters i want to give a shout out to anchor which is the podcast avenue we record with to bring you these episodes have you ever thought about starting your own podcast when i was trying to get this podcast off the ground i had a lot of questions like how do i record a podcast how do i record an episode how do i get the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast onto all of the apps that people are listening to and how can I reach as many people as possible for free and make money at the same time from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is Anchor. 
Anchor's the one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you up with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. Gaining some revenue from those podcast sponsors is essential to making necessary upgrades to the podcast and your overall brand. I appreciate how user-friendly Anchor is and how we can record our episodes via our computers or over the phone, similar to a voice memo or a phone call, and we can record these episodes, edit them down as needed, upload them, and boom, the episode is ready to launch. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and even make money doing it, go to anchor.fm forward slash start. That's anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. One more time, that's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Let's go through a couple of categories, man, and then we will we will send off. Let's start with three uh, values. And if you don't have three, you know, one or two is just fine. I really am just looking for value picks. You've kind of already gone over those in the previous area yeah. there. But um, for me, uh, really quick, we don't need a lot of stats necessarily for these things. Yep. I just want to throw out some names so people know where you and I sit with things. Um, three values for me are Jared Cook, uh, Evan Ingram, and Hunter Henry. And of course, you just mentioned it. It comes, it comes down to ADP and the value, of course, but that's what I mean. If they fall to you, these are guys that I want, Jared Cook, Evan Ingram, and Hunter Henry. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's definitely solid right there. I think uh, Evan Ingram is definitely one of my values as well, where currently I think he's, what, 602? Six-round second pick and half PPR? Mm. Uh, at 606, I think, what is that, in a, a full PPR, I think? I'll double-check for you here. Keep going. Uh, Absolutely. Um, no, Evan Ingram is, is definitely one of my values. If he falls to me at the back of the sixth, I mean, just like OJ Howard, I'm, I, I'd definitely be willing to take a flyer on him as well uh, in hopes of that top three finish uh, just based off target volume. And OJ Howard, of course, like I just talked about as well. So 602 and half and 605 and full. 605. Evan, Evan Ingram. Yeah. Yep. So he's creeping up slowly. He is creeping up, and man, after after your your fire takes here on the TCK pod, uh, he'll he'll probably be going in the third round. So, <laughs> way Hopefully way not. to go. <laughs> Hopefully not. Evan Ingram is going to suck next year. Don't exactly. Draft him, right? Exactly. Do not draft Perfect. Him. Well, speaking of guys uh, that people think might suck, but we hope don't, uh, let's talk about a handful of sleepers. Um, I'll let you go first on this one. Three sleepers, and and by a sleeper, I mean. Personally, I mean kind of round 10 and later um, with sleepers. Why don't you give me your three and I'll give you yours. Or mine. Absolutely. So the first sleeper, I mean, two of these sleepers I've already talked about in, in Jimmy Graham and Mark Andrews. It's crazy that I'm calling Jimmy Graham a sleeper. It sure. just goes to show how much he's fallen from grace. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident again. He's being drafted in the 14th round, beginning of the 14th round as a tight end 19. So uh, definitely willing to take a shot there. And of course, with Mark Andrews as well, who is currently going same range as Jimmy Graham, 14.03 as a tight end 20, the next tight end right after Jimmy Graham. I love that pick. But a guy that's going really undrafted right now who has the athletic measurables, I think he had like a 96 percentile Spark X, Spark X score. Um, he's, he's a freak athlete as well as Darren Waller, mm-hmm. who's going to take that Jared Cook role in uh, that Oakland offense. And of course, talking about, you know, Derek Carr and how much he sucks and, you know, how much his decision making sucks. <laughs> I'm sorry, Oakland fans, if you're listening, don't shut off the podcast. Promise it'll get better when you guys draft another quarterback. But I think Darren Waller could play that role if, you know, Antonio Brown um, lets up a couple of those targets closer to the line of scrimmage. I think mm-hmm. Darren Waller could be a pretty sneaky stash. 
I like it. I like it. And that's definitely, definitely a deeper, a deeper name there. I like it. I got a couple as well that are deep names and we haven't talked about it, you know, any of any of mine yet uh, so far. So I'll keep it light on these, but Chris Herndon is one that I want to mention right away um, is suspended for two games. So, you know, I wouldn't draft him uh, per se, but look at him at the waiver wire right away for the jets. Um, I just think he's got, you know, incredible athleticism. I think the jets offense will be, better but not incredible i like robbie anderson and i like their receivers ish but i don't think any of those guys is gonna be the top dude i think chris herndon will be the guy around the red zone outside of Le'Veon bell for sam darnold and the jets so i like chris herndon there um just be careful about the suspension yep two games two games another suspended guy is my man ben watson uh (laughs) who's suspended for four games his situation is really weird um he, he basically contemplated retiring and as you, you know, deteriorate all the muscle and the, the immense monstrosity that you have to be as an NFL football player, you stop working out every day and eating, you know, 10,000 calories a day, your body fades. And, and a lot of these guys don't want that immediate. Um, I mean, um, look at Joe Thomas uh, for the, for the Browns offensive lineman, who's basically literally, he's literally half his body though. Yeah. He's a completely different body shape from yeah. his NFL playing days. And anyway, Ben Watson was going to retire, so he kind of shut it down. Then he decided to come back, so he took some growth hormones to keep his body fresh and, and recover for some injuries. Failed a test, came out publicly, and basically totally, you know, I feel I feel for the guy, honestly. I think he got a shitty deal. Yeah. But he, he um, came out publicly and was like, look, my bad. This is exactly what happened. I didn't try to, like, take steroids. I just, you know, didn't think I was even going to play, and I didn't know this was illegal, so yada, yada. He's out for four games, but I think Ben Watson with now the New England Patriots could potentially be, uh, I think, definitely a tight end one. But if he gets 80 percent Gronk work, which I think he still could do with uh, the Patriots, um, he could potentially be a a top eight um, tight end, which we saw him uh, the last couple of years with New Orleans and Baltimore. And then Noah Fant, who's kind of a way deep name that I don't think anybody's going to be drafting by any means. But just keep an eye on him. He's with Joe Flacco for at least the first game of the season. Um, and we just know that Joe Flacco loves tight ends, and I know he can throw a deep bomb or two per game, but I think he's he's going to be uh, targeting over the middle. And, and Noah Fant really is, you know, coming out of Iowa, uh, who basically just raises tight ends. Um, and I, I think Noah Fant could be another name, and then uh, T.J. Hawkinson as well uh, is another name to consider in Detroit. Yep. Um, three breakouts. I have um, O.J. Howard. Hunter Henry and Dallas Goddard. We've gone over all three of these guys extensively. I don't need to go into it. Um, but all three of those guys, I think if they stay healthy and basically for, for Dallas Goddard, if Ertz goes down again, uh, then I think he just literally replaces him. I truly believe that. I think just Dallas Goddard becomes the number three or four tight end at that point. Um, and OJ Howard and Hunter Henry, I think, have the ability to be a top five, top three tight end uh, for sure for my breakout. Yeah. And I mean, Ertz is a guy who, you know, he has been injured. He does have history of missing at least one or two games this season. So uh, I think there will be a week or two where you can plug in uh, Dallas Goddard and he'll he'll finish as like the tight end one just because, you know, Ertz isn't there. Um, So I love those picks, man. Uh, That's those those three are definitely uh, my breakouts as well, along with the Mark Andrews that I spoke about as well. 
Yep, love it. And I, I'm with I'm with Mark Andrews too. You got me you got me extra hype, bro. If you have, if you have a if you have <laughs> an glad, extra man. seat, if you have an extra seat on the on the Mark Andrews train, I'm I'm feeling it, dude. For it's sure. just about to leave the station, so you're more than welcome aboard. <laughs> That's what's up. I want to get on early. Um, a couple of busts, and for me, a bus is basically just won't return their ADP. So I'm not saying that these guys are going to completely shit your team or anything necessarily. Right. But I do think that they're not going to return potentially um, their ADP and. You know, coming off the back of, of uh, Dallas Goddard, for me, it's, it's Zach Ertz right away. Um, and it looks like you agree with me there. Uh, and we've talked enough about Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard and what could go down. Yeah. Um, and I, after hearing your take on Evan Ingram, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to reevaluate these anyway, as I have in all my positional and breakdowns. That's, that's what we have to do. But, right? We have to stay water. We have to, we have to, with new information, I think we, we as analysts have a responsibility to kind of stay water and uh, move, move players around in our rankings. So. And that's that's why, too, really quick to, to deviate just for a second. Um, again, if you're still listening to this podcast, as we're two hours in, if you're still listening in, in late June and you're actually giving a shit enough to be paying attention, which I know a lot of you are because, you know, Sammy and I do it and, you know, the homies that we deal with do it. So it's not uncommon. But the general public is not paying attention until all this is shaken out. What we're doing is taking an earlier look on this so we can evaluate ahead of time and then evaluate through the offseason to see what happens barring injuries and with injuries. And so for us to just have a, a leg up on competition that, you know, if things go awry for whatever reason, training camp or injuries, we're immediately ready to go versus, oh, shit, is this a good move? Should I pick him up? Yada, yada. So um, I appreciate the, the early analysis. Another one for me is uh, Eric Ebron. Again, uh, Jack Doyle is going to be a factor there. Um, and Greg Olson, I just have to put his name out there. We haven't mentioned him one time on the podcast outside of <laughs> comparing him to a bum leg like Delaney Walker. But for me, I just, I think he's going to get drafted because of his name and because of his history. And, you know, he belongs in the, uh, fantasy football tight end hall of fame. Um, but not anymore. I'm, I'm not crazy about cam and his injury right now, at least. And uh, Greg Olson as well. So for me, uh, Zach Ertz, Eric Ebron, and Greg Olson are guys that I think are going to probably be overdrafted for what they're going to return on their ADP. Right. I mean, Greg Olson's going in the 14th round, I think, right now. Um, so I think it's safe to take a flyer on him. But again, like you had mentioned, uh, I think his best fantasy days are behind him, especially with yeah. CMC taking up all those targets. Mm -hmm. um, as far as as far as my bus go, I mean, Ertz, you had just talked about. Cook, Jared Cook, I uh, gave my reasons why. I think the definition of a bust, uh, like you had mentioned, is, you know, not returning value at their current ADP. And Jared Cook, you know, being drafted right now in the early seventh round as a tight end eight. I mean, think about think about this. Would you draft Amari Cooper, you know, in like uh, the, the back of the, like the middle of the second round? I mean, sure, he, you know, season long, he's going to return really good value. He might finish as like a top top 12 wide receiver, but he's going to do that in like three or four games. And I feel like Jared Cook is a very comparable um player to amari cooper in terms of fantasy where they get their production in like uh, i guess a collection of three or four games and mm -hmm. outside of that they kind of just bust and they, and they ruin your roster so i'm definitely staying away from jared cook and vance mcdonald mm -hmm. that's uh i spoke about him earlier in the episode as well right okay and this one is just kind of a just kind of a fun one i like to do uh to break the the intensity of our our just stats for two hours <laughs> um and and really the next couple are just some fun ones uh that i like to have on record just for shit and we can come and revisit these when the season's over yep. but uh who are three of your all-time fantasy tight ends um it so, looks like we have uh we have two of the same uh yep. but we differ differ on one of them so i'll let you go first 
Yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a Patriots fan. I think Gronk has been the most dominant tight end. I think he deserves to go in the Hall of Fame. Um, you know, sooner than that, I think, what is it, a three-year rule? That I think it's five in the NFL. Five-year, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think he deserves to be in there uh, a lot sooner than that. Um, that might be a biased opinion, but I don't think anyone's been able to do what Gronk did. Uh, even Tony Gonz- you know, my second favorite tight end of all time, who was absolutely dominant when he was in the NFL. I think he's a really good person as well outside uh, of the mm-hmm. NFL as well. Nice uh, analysis might- too. He's a, he's yeah. a quality analyst. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually like uh, listening to him. I like watching him. So uh, pretty entertaining off the field as well. Um, and my last guy, you know, Jimmy Graham. I love Jimmy Graham, man. He's 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 just a baller. I think uh, he's been one of those generational talents. And, uh, you know, it's sad to see him at old age. But I'm hoping for a good season from him this year. Love it. And likewise, I've also got Gronk and, and, and Tony Gonzalez, same same reasons. And, uh, you know, my my Jimmy Graham basically is Antonio Gates, which I think, all, you know, they have the same narrative. Um, yep. One of the best of all time, both NFL and fantasy football. And uh, it, you're right. It is a bummer that. Now he, I mean, he basically played last year because Hunter Henry got hurt. Right. He, <laughs> he was like, retired. I'm going to retire. Yeah, he retired. And, and then Hunter Henry goes down and Philip was like, hey, bro, like one more. What's up? And so <laughs> it, he came back Lynn and was like, oh, shit, I need a tight end. It, yeah. He's like, all right. All right. I'll, you know, I'll run a, a five yard curl and catch, you know, six touchdowns. And know, he still whatever. doesn't want to retire, though. Like he still wants no, he's, to play. Yeah, he's great. And, and, and again, I mean. I think, you know, it's going to be hard for these guys to shut it down by the end of their season. I mean, we saw Jason Witten this year retire, go into the booth, you know, regardless of what you think of his analytics. <laughs> he did he, he did what he did, and he, he wanted to do that, so he went and did it. And then he decided, like, look, man, I miss the game so much, and I want to be a part of a competitive roster, so I'm going to go back. And he went back in an older age. Now, I don't think he's going to do a ton for um, – we didn't talk about him at all today either, but right, I don't think he's going to do a ton for Dallas – but I think he is going to help out Dak Prescott. I think he is going to help out those younger receivers and just be a, a good clubhouse guy. So, yep. um, you know, that's that's important there. So, okay, Gronk, Gates, Gonzalez for me, Gronk, Gonzalez, and Graham for you, the 3G. I like that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, three bold predictions, man. Let's have some fun. Um, I'll give one, and then you give one, and we'll alternate through the rest of the way. Awesome. Um, looks like uh, we both have one on Dallas Goddard, so I'm actually going to let you go first on this one, then I'll follow up. Sure. So I had stated this a little bit earlier where I think Goddard has the potential to be this year's Eric Ebron. Uh, crazy high touchdown rate in terms of the the targets that he catches. Um, I think he provides really, really good upside near the goal line. And uh, I love Goddard as a top 12 tight end this year. I like it. And I actually have the same similar production where I said Dallas Goddard finishes as a tight end one and Ertz finishes outside the top five, Ooh. actually. So now it's that's that's uh, for me on a bold prediction. That's with or without an injury. I just really think Dallas Goddard could be that effective potentially. Yep. Um, my next one, uh, it looks like you have one on, on Ertz, too. You want to piggyback on that? Sure. I mean, Ertz was just, uh, you know, it's stated right there in my rankings where I think he's Finishes outside the top three, and uh, I'm pretty confident in that. Fair enough. Love it. Uh, my second one is TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant finish as tight end ones. Now, this is uh, – I've mentioned this every single collaborative episode just to let you know. I know our listeners uh, are aware of this, but to let you know, later on in the episode – or later on in the season, I'll do some other bull predictions around the league and things like that. And what I do is bull predictions, which are things that like – they could happen, but they're probably unlikely, you know, right, like right. say Ertz falling out of the top five, Goddard becoming a top uh, tight end. We could see that happening, but it's probably unlikely. Right. Then I do crazy calls, which is like a deeper, bold prediction, which basically if any of the crazy calls happen, shit hit the fan. 
Um, and for me, this one is more of a crazy call where Hawkinson and Fant both become tight end ones because they're both rookies. They're both in, I don't think, explosive offenses. They both have um, kind of a tough situation, I think, in general with competition and what they're doing in Detroit and Denver. But basically a bold prediction for me because uh, they're both great prospects coming out of Iowa. We've seen what George Kittle can do. Um, Hawkinson and Fant both finish as a tight end one. Yeah. I mean, they both have def- defensive-minded coaches now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, low pass volume offense is what I'm projecting, mm-hmm. and uh, it's just know, tough, touchdown upside is the only reason they're even exactly. considered for me because yeah. I just don't see outside of Kenny Galladay uh, in Detroit, maybe uh, Sutton, who I'm not crazy about personally. Uh, I just don't see a lot of touchdown upside for the receivers on those teams. Therefore, I just see maybe this huge tight ends potentially being that person down down underneath. Yep. And then um, finally. My yeah, go ahead. Take. Yeah, my last bull take. I mean, I've already said it. Where Jimmy Graham, I, I see him finishing inside the top eight. I like it, dude. I think yeah. it's. I think that's very, very bold, personally. But I, I do <laughs> like it. And actually, I have, <laughs> I have completely the opposite take, including Jimmy Graham here. And this is kind of sad. I hated to be like morbid about it, but <laughs> my third bold prediction is that Greg Olson, uh, Reed, who we didn't even talk about. Jordan Reed. I mean, he jo- has Jordan Reed. Upside. Yeah, Jordan Reed, who we didn't even talk about, um, and Jimmy Graham all finish outside of the tw- top 20 tight ends, which might be a little steep, uh, but then all three of them retire. So <laughs> I think they're they're all getting drafted between the tight end 15 and 20. I could see all of them for a number of reasons, whether it be injury or uh, lack of production or whatever, um, finishing outside the top 20. And if any of these guys get another season-ending injury, I think they have to hang it up. They've all come back from season-ending injuries multiple times i think at this point of all their careers uh if they get hurt to that level again they they would probably hang it up i could totally see that okay and then uh last one and we'll get out of here man um a league winner or two um i like to have an early league winner and a late league winner and uh as a guest why don't you uh finish us out here why don't you give me your early and late league winners at the tight end position for 2019 sure so you know going on the opposite side of bust where you know, a bust, the definition of that is someone that, that doesn't return value at their current ADP. Uh, I think Evan Ingram could return massive value at a 602 ADP right now in half PPR. Um, I, I love Evan Ingram just based off of sheer volume that I think he's going to get this year. Uh, if he can stay on the field for a full 16, uh, I have him slotted to be the, the number three tight end. So uh, I think he could win you a league. Love it. And who's your late? Uh, my late tight end, uh, again, I'm going to talk about this uh, all aboard. The Mark Andrews train is about to leave the station. I love uh, it, dude. I, I will own Mark Andrews in all of my fantasy leagues, or I will try to. That's that's my goal this year. That's awesome. And, and, and the best thing about, you know, again, you know, you and I could sit here and do 50 hot takes all day if we wanted to. But when you really narrow it down to one or two league winners or one or two or three hot takes or not even hot takes, just bold predictions, yeah. um, I, I really believe it's important that you narrow it down. And so for you to be this high on Evan Ingram, A, which I think a lot of people are, but not as high. And then Mark a- Andrews, who I don't think many podcasts are even talking about, yeah. um, I think is awesome, dude. And like I mentioned when we talked about him, I'm just as stoked on him. It's just the situation around him and so many factors I'm a little bit nervous about. But right. every time you mention his name, I, I get more more stoked <laughs> about it. So I, I'm I'm about it. Like I said, man, reserve me a, a ticket and Sky, uh, I'm join on, me. Join, I'm join on the, on the adventure Andrew. this season. Just I love it, bro. I'm all about <laughs> it. Um and uh for me it's Hunter Henry early. If he stays healthy, he was uh more productive than Travis Kelsey and 
uh, Ertz and Kittle last year when he played, uh, or excuse me, not last year, two years ago, yeah. um, before he went down in 2018. And we know what Antonio Gates did with Philip Rivers for so many years. I love Hunter Henry if he can stay healthy, but that's a big if. So he's my early league winner. And then Dallas Goddard, our other boy, we've talked about a lot on this podcast. Um, we've gone into length about. So Hunter Henry early for me, Dallas Goddard late like for it. me, uh, Ingram and Mark Andrews for you. And then final question is, who is your favorite tight end to watch this season? Mine is George Kittle. Half because I'm a 49er homer and I need somebody on the team to root for. And the other one is I just think he's athletically one of the most gifted tight ends in all of football. Yeah. And uh, I, I love that take because, uh, you know, Kyle Shanahan, the offensive genius that he is, uh, I think it's a perfect formula where, you know, Kittle has that talent to play the role perfectly uh, for that Kyle Shanahan offense. So I love that. I'm, I'm going to love watching Kittle as well. Excellent. Uh, one of my favorite tight ends that, to watch this season, it's going to be O.J. Howard, and it's going to be mainly because I want to see how Bruce Arians deploys him. Uh, there's a big narrative around you know, that Bruce Arians doesn't really utilize his tight ends as much, but he has never had a tight end as talented as O.J. Howard. And uh, I'm going to be really curious to see you know, where he lines up. Is he going to be in the slot more often? Is he going to be in line? Is he going to be playing that H-back role? Is he going to get that goal line work? You know, is he going to get into Cameron Brate's uh, share of this offense? So I think O.J. Howard's development is going to be really, really fun to watch. And uh, I'm, I'm interested to see if he can crack, crack the top three. That's awesome. I love that take, too. And I, I totally agree with you. I think he would probably be my second name on the list behind George Kittle. Hey, before we get out of here, man, I want to just give you some love back your way. Like I mentioned, um, I try to support everybody that comes on this podcast. And I think it's important that we all support each other because at some 100%. level, unless you're getting paid to do this, you're an amateur, at least quote unquote. And uh, clearly you put in the work, you put in the hustle, you put in the hours and the grind. We're two hours into this podcast, had an absolute blast um, chopping up with you, man. I've been listening to your podcast for a few weeks now. Been very excited to have you on. I follow your content, your Instagram page, which I'll let you uh, end us out here with all your links one more time. But your content is really easy to listen to. Um, it's very professionally done. You also have a lot of uh, guests that I follow on your podcast, so make sure you check that out. And then your Instagram posts, I really enjoy because you kind of have somewhat of like a, a snippet from your podcast that goes on to an image of your player that you're talking about. And yep. it's, it's very professionally done, man. I appreciate that. I'm going to have to bug you for some of your, your, uh, your tips and tricks on how you do those <laughs> things on, an, on, on another call. But um, one more time, Tommy, sure. I, I really appreciate you, man. And uh, taking time out of your day to jump onto our podcast. Um, I'm a big fan of your work and I really appreciate you. And I hope to have you on again real soon. Sky, the feelings mutual, man. Thank you so much for having me on. Uh, this was a blast, like you had mentioned. And I, I really enjoyed, you know, talking shop with you. Uh, you definitely know what you're talking about as well. And uh, I'm going to be excited to come back and, you know, do another episode pretty shortly here. So, again, thank you so much for having me on. Um, if your listeners want to find me, they can, you know, check out the Instagram page, like you had mentioned, where I do take little clip clips of, you know, uh, things that I talk about on my podcast and some of those advanced metrics and some of those advanced stats, historical usage and and, and volume metrics. Uh, and I put them in a, in an easily digestible format in an Instagram picture. Uh, I'm also doing the same thing on Twitter. So if you guys want gold nuggets, go follow me at draft room pod on Instagram and Twitter, check out the podcast draft room podcast on any platform that you guys would like. And uh, sky again, thank you so much for having me on, man. Appreciate you, man. Once again, we're coast to coast on TCK pod. I'm in Eugene, Oregon. You're in New York City, New York. I appreciate you so much, man. Let's do it again real soon. 100%, man.
That'll do it for this episode. Special thanks to Summy once again for hopping on to break down our tight end rankings and continuing our weekly focuses. Please follow Summy and the Draft Room Podcast on Instagram and Twitter at Draft Room Pod, Facebook and YouTube at the Draft Room Podcast, and listen to the Draft Room Podcast wherever podcasts can be heard, and make sure to subscribe. Be sure to email us your fantasy questions heading into 2019 to tckpod at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at fantasyfootball underscore tckpod. And you can also find us on Twitter at tck underscore pod or Facebook at the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. If you've gotten any value, please leave a rate and review for the podcast and give us a like and a follow on the social medias. It really does mean the world to us and we appreciate your feedback. Make the most of the rest of your day, and we'll catch you next time on the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. For Summy, I'm Sky, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.